Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Sometimes it's a good idea to get back to basics, and that's as true in the digital realm as in any other. So for several programs, let's take a look at how one of the key things in the digital world works. We're talking here about compression, how to make large digital files smaller so that they can move more quickly through the internet and over cell phone connections. Let's look at compressing three types of information, text, graphics, and audio. In previous episodes of The Electronic Cottage, we looked at text compression and then at graphics compression. Today, let's revisit a former program on compressing sound. Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. So, you've got all those MP3 files on your computer. Or maybe you have one of those portable MP3 players. Or maybe you've transferred some of your old records or new CDs to the MP3 format so you can carry a pile of your favorite music around with you all the time. We all blithely use the term MP3, but what are we really talking about when we use that term? or for that matter, AAC or Og Vorbis or FLAC. What we're talking about is sound compression. When we digitize a stream of sound, a piece of music for example, the size of that original file is very large indeed. In fact, if you digitize at a bit depth of 16 bits, you remember what a bit is, a binary digit, Well, if you use a bit depth of 16 bits when you digitize and sample at 44.1 thousand samples per second, which is about the minimum you can use to get what we refer to as CD quality sound, you'll find that for every minute of stereo music, you're using about 10 megabytes of hard disk space to store that file. A four minute song, therefore, takes up about 40 megabytes of hard disk space, and so on. It doesn't take a lot of math to figure out that if you have, say, 12 hours worth of digitized music on your MP3 player, those music files originally took up over 7 gigabytes of space on a hard drive. And if you're downloading music over the internet, it can take a good while to download uncompressed music or sound files, even if you have a high-speed connection. And with a dial-up connection, well, as they say in New York, forget about it. So, what happened between the time your music was originally digitized and the time it squeezed through the internet or got stored on your new MP3 player? It's quite a story. First, let's talk about that term, MP3. It's a shortcut way to say MPEG Layer 3, which is an internationally recognized data reduction technique introduced way back in 1992. The term MPEG stands for Moving Picture Expert Group and Layer 3 refers to a description of a particular technical standard within the larger MPEG standard. You may recall the term JPEG from an earlier program. We run into that term when we're trying to reduce the data size of still photographs or graphics. JPEG simply stands for Joint Photographic Expert Group. As you can tell, the folks who do this sort of standards making love the term expert group. 
You may also recall from an earlier program that when we're trying to make a text or even a non-moving graphic file smaller, we apply techniques called algorithms, which look for repeating patterns and redundant information and then get rid of unnecessary information to make the file smaller. So, for example, if we have a graphic file that has a consistent blue background with white letters over it, the algorithm only needs to know the exact color information for one pixel or dot of the blue background and how many dots there should be. It doesn't need to encode every one of those and thus saves a lot of space by not doing so. The situation with information moving through time is very different. In the case of a stream of sound, for example, the sound intensity and the frequency of the sounds are constantly changing. That means there's very little redundant information for an algorithm to find and discard. In fact, if we use the typical static file compression algorithm on a sound file, we'd only save about 2% of the file size. Clearly, something else is needed. Humans have very good hearing, but there's so much sound in the world that over eons, we've learned to pay much more attention to certain frequencies than to others. So, for example, a sound with an intensity of 25 decibels, you remember that a bell is a measure of what we might call intensity, named after, of course, old Alexander Graham Bell, and that a deci is a tenth of a bell, hence decibel. Anyway, if most people heard a sound with an intensity of 25 decibels at a frequency of, say, 1,000 hertz, or 1,000 cycles per second, they'd hear it just fine, even though that's actually a relatively soft sound. But if a sound of the same intensity were at a lower frequency, say, 500 hertz, most people wouldn't notice it. That's not because they physically couldn't hear it if someone pointed the sound out to them, but because we've learned over the course of human history not to pay too much attention to sounds in that frequency range. The same would usually be true at a very high frequency, like 15,000 hertz or more. Knowing that human hearing has certain psychoacoustic tendencies, the clever folks on the Moving Picture Expert Group did a lot of research and then devised a way to fool our ears by throwing away the information in the sound stream that we probably wouldn't pay too much attention to anyway. As you can imagine, this is considerably more complicated to actually do than to talk about, but this is the basic principle that underlies data reduction in the MP3 files that you and I listen to on our computers or portable MP3 players. In fact, the MP3 protocol uses 576 separate frequency bands to analyze sound and then decide what you and I probably won't miss. It turns out we probably won't miss a lot of the original signal. In fact, a well-encoded compact MP3 music file might contain only about 4% of the information in the original music. And a file that's encoding only voice might be as small as a half a percent of the original digital file size. The file size will vary, of course, depending on the level of the sound quality that we're willing to accept in the compression. Now, all of a sudden, it becomes possible to put a whole lot of music on a much smaller storage disk or card, and, just as importantly, it takes a whole lot less time to send a file over the internet. So when all is said and done, we reduce the size of sound files, even music files, 
by simply fooling our ears. The same general idea applies to other sound compression schemes, such as AAC, which is used in the Apple Store, or Og Vorbis, or FLAC. Like MP3, Og Vorbis, and AAC, which stands for Advanced Audio Coding, and which is intended to be the successor to MP3, are actually lossy compression schemes, which means that they throw away part of the information in the audio stream in the process of making compressed files smaller. Most people don't notice the loss. We're fooling our ears again. But if you compress and uncompress and then recompress lossy files, you'll notice the loss of quality pretty quick. FLAC, which stands for Free Lossless Audio Codec, is a lossless compression scheme. It typically only reduces file size by about half, but the resulting file, when played back, has lost none of its audio quality. FLAC, as its name implies, is a free open-source compression format. The coding programs that put files into the MP3 and AAC formats are proprietary, and so license fees usually have to be paid by someone for you to use them. So, there you have it. A not-too-technical description of what all those music file types are and how they work, at least in a general way. But what happens when you add moving pictures to sound in a file that you want to compress? That, of course, makes things much more complicated. As you'll see, well, as you'll hear, when you tune in to a future edition of Notes from the Electronic Cottage. (laughs) 